welcome to the Encounter Mercy Podcast. I'm your host, Vince Dragone, and I have with me Father Andy Boyd and his pup. How's it going? Good and you, Vince. Good, good. That uh, that dog looks a little too big to be a lap dog. Yeah, he thinks he's a lap dog and he's just a big baby. You know, honestly, I've been live streaming mass now for a little over a week. And um, one of the number one comments that I'm constantly getting on all the videos is we need a Henry Cam. <laughs> he's the altar dog. Yeah, yeah. The altar server. Pop. Yes. Yeah, you got to you got to put him and put him in. uh in uh well what what they're not called vestments for altar servers are they what are they well they are i got to get them a cassock and surplus like yeah. i have on right now yeah that's what you got to give them yeah <laughs> so so how's your uh how's everything going this is crazy this is uh i know this is going to be the weirdest holy week weirdest easter i think all of us have ever had for the most part uh yeah. so tell me how things are going with you you know it's it's um Life as usual, you know, I, I don't get to stop. I'm considered an essential employee, so I go to work every day. And by work, I, I celebrate Mass every day. And uh, right now, I'm celebrating it every day at noon. And to um, when this episode goes out, of course, on Wednesday of Holy Week, it will be the last day I celebrate Mass at noon until Easter Sunday because, of course, we have the trade one services, which we'll get into in a little bit. But, the you know, it's, it's still – Day in, day out, it's the same work. You know, the one thing I can't do is I can't visit people in their homes um, and I can't visit the hospitals. Um, and, and I think that's really kind of difficult. You know, I'd, I'd like to be able to do those kinds of things. But right now, of course, it's it's not good for the homebound and the sick. And it's not good for me either. And so, you know, it's I saw a post online today complaining about how priests aren't going out to visit. Well, I think there's a lot of us that want to. But the fear and it's not a not a fear that is like a terrifying fear, but it's just one of those underlying things that we just don't know what to do. It's kind of a difficult situation. Right. And yeah, it would be different if we've been here before and we know exactly what to do. Uh, but we are even the politicians, they're learning every day. The health uh, healthcare workers are learning every day. Um, we're all just kind of in a holding pattern waiting for this to uh, just to pass. So we're going to make the best of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's all we can do. So, uh, tell me about your dinner tonight. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I went to the grocery store today, you know, in the craze and the, I mean, the people that I saw there, it was fascinating. I thought for a minute, one guy was in a hazmat suit, but I'm in the grocery store today getting food and uh, I'm walking by the meat counters and I saw that they had some nice looking steak. And I thought, you know what? It's a, it's 60 degrees out today. Uh, the grill's out might as well grill. So I went to go turn the grill on and I realized that the propane tank was empty. Uh, wasn't really interested in going back out into public at that point and I was too hungry. So went back inside and decided to cook it in a skillet on the stovetop and then put it in the oven. Um, of course, Henry here is a distracting dog and he decided to get my attention and have to go outside and I got distracted and it went from what I would like it at uh, about medium to, I think, well done. So a crime against steak. Basically a leather boot at that point. Yeah. It's tasted good, but it's disappointing to yeah. say the least. Yeah, I've done that before. Um, yeah. Yeah. We have an interesting dinner story too. Uh, we made pizza and my wife and I ate ours because our daughter was taking a nap because she had a long day. 
and we turned our back and the dog ate hers. So she wasn't too happy when she woke up. Oh, but anywho, so let's talk about what this week is about. So by the time this airs, uh, will be the Wednesday, um, right slap in the middle of, uh, the week here. We had already would have celebrated, uh, Palm Sunday and we will be going into Holy Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. So we will, uh, Palm Sunday, of course, um, is, uh, it's a misnomer because it's not just Palm Sunday. Um, it's Palm Sunday of the passion of the Lord. Um, and that's because this Sunday before Easter was always known as passion Sunday and passion Sunday was strictly about the passion of the Lord. Now we have some remnants of that. Um, and the fact that they merged Passion Sunday into what we know as Palm Sunday. But if you actually pay attention to the liturgy on Palm Sunday, we only really deal with the palms at the very beginning, and then that's it. So as soon as the priest enters into the sanctuary and starts with uh, the Mass, um, we actually don't talk about the palms anymore. We only talk about the Passion. The first reading, the second reading, the responsorial psalm, the... um, gospel verse, it all focuses around the passion. And what exactly is the passion? Well, it's the, uh, death, the, uh, excuse me, <laughs> a little confused tonight after having a dog Trump, uh, jump on you at 3 AM. Um, it is the suffering death and the, uh, entombment of Christ. So, so we, we only, that's what the passion Sunday is about. And so most of our Sunday this past Sunday was about the passion of Christ. We'll have read uh, this year from the Gospel of Matthew, where uh, we hear Matthew's rendition of the passion story. And then um, we'll, uh, of course, finish Mass as a normal Mass. So technically, Palm Sunday is more of Passion Sunday, but we have the two together now. So after Passion Sunday, of course, we have the Monday of Holy Week, Tuesday of Holy Week, and Wednesday of Holy Week. Those are normal weekday masses, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Um, just happen to be with the sixth week of Easter, or Easter, excuse me. Uh, you can see where I'm thinking Lent. already. The sixth week of Lent. Yes, yes, our last week of Lent. Hello. Oh, okay. Intermission for the dog to give kisses. Okay. Um, so it's just three normal daily masses, essentially. Um each focusing on sometimes something a little different, you know, um, they call Tuesday spy Tuesday because, or was that spy Wednesday? See, I'm bad with these things. Uh, this is when I should look things up, but one of the days is spy day because it talks about how Judas goes to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and they, he tries to sell Christ. And that's, uh, the day that he went and he made a bargain. Um, so, I never That's heard one would. of those days called Spy Day or Spy Tuesday yeah. or whatever. It's either Spy Tuesday or Spy Wednesday. Yeah. It might be Spy Wednesday. Really? I've never heard of that. Is that like a – is that – It harkens back to the Tridentine Mass. It harkens back okay. to before the Vatican II. So it's so one it of those things that's that... a part of Passion Tide. Okay. So Rome does recognize it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean it's, it's more of like a um, – you know, kind of like a uh, nickname for the day, right? So it's it's probably it. I don't think in any of the Tridentine missiles or anything like that. And hopefully, someone can correct me. I don't think it would say Spy Wednesday. In fact, I now remember it is Spy Wednesday. It, it doesn't say anywhere Spy Wednesday. 
it's just a um, kind of like a nickname that was given to that day. So you have in the uh, in the old understanding of pa- of uh, Passion Tide, which starts on the uh, fifth Sunday of Lent. Um, is it, it goes from the fifth Sunday of Lent, the last two weeks of Lent. We really get into the in depth. Uh, experience of Lent. You know, if you see in some churches and on some live streams from the fifth Sunday of Lent through till uh, Easter Sunday, statues are veiled and um, images are usually veiled um, because we're going into a deeper part of Lent. So, you know, we we have this experience. And so Passion, this, this Holy Week was all about the Passion of Christ. And so we start with, of course, our public service of Palm Sunday, which is the Palm Sunday of the Passion of the Lord. Uh, Thursday of Holy Week traditionally starts with the Chrism Mass. Do you know much about the Chrism Mass, Vince? Well, isn't that whenever the bishop uh, consecrates all of the, or blesses all of the oils that were going to be used in uh, baptisms and confirmations and anointing of the sick? Yep. So we have three holy oils that we use in our church. You have the oil of the... um, catechumens, which is when we uh, we use that at baptism, especially for infants, uh, or if you're going through the RCIA, the catechumenate, uh, you get anointed with that. Um, it's technically on the breast, so usually right here on the chest, um, and that is blessed at that mass, at the chrism mass, as well as the oil of the infirmed when we are anointing those who are sick uh, or receiving viaticum. Um that oil is blessed there. And then the chrism oil, hence the name chrism mass. Chrism oil is the oil that is uh, used, that is perfumey and used at baptisms, at confirmations, at ordinations, at the blessing and consecration of church buildings, church altars, church vessels. So like my chalice, for instance, the bishop consecrated it. He took the um, chrism oil and he uh, blessed it with the chrism oil, so it's consecrated. So, you know, the chrism oil we often think about, and the reason why it's called the chrism mass is because it, it's supposed to be the time when the priests come before their bishop and renew their um, promises that they made at ordination. So, of course, we make promise of uh, celibacy, um, prayer, and uh obedience to the bishop. So we make those promises to the bishop. Um, and so we renew those promises. And then the bishop renews his promise to us, the priests, as well as the laity, um, that he is going to be our bishop and protect us. So it, it's to hearken back to the anointing with chrism, because when a priest is ordained a priest, his hands are anointed with chrism. And Henry thinks that he's licking the chrism off my hands. <laughs> And then uh, at the ordination or consecration of a bishop, the bishop's head is anointed with the chrism oil. And that's to hearken back to the the understanding of anointed priest, prophet, and king. And so the the kingship of a bishop, because he's he's essentially a king in his own kingdom, his own diocese – a king is always anointed on the head. And so when we do baptism, for instance, that everybody is um, consecrated priest, prophet, and king on the crown of their head uh, with the chrism oil. So that that whole idea of kingship, right? So we have the chrism mass, and that's kind of the um, 
that leads into our Holy Thursday liturgies. And so, it's so traditionally, tell me, well, hold it's, on, tell me yeah. about what are the, what's the plan in, at least in the diocese of Erie for the chrism mass. I'm assuming not all the priests are going to be in one building together. Um, right. How, how is it going to play out? And I'm sure it's going to play out probably similar throughout the rest of the, the world at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So um, traditionally in the diocese of Erie, our chrism mass is on Monday of Holy week. And that's because um, we cover 13 counties, 10,000 square miles, and it's uh, can take four hours to drive across the entirety of our diocese. So traditionally we have it on Monday where can attend. With that being said, this year, it's still going to take place on Monday of Holy Week. It's going to be live streamed. Um, the only priest that's going to be there is the bishop. And um, I'm a, I don't know for sure the best. Uh, I mean, granted, we're recording this ahead of time. But um, w- according to the email, it's just going to be the bishop and one or two other priests. And then slowly but surely, the oils will get distributed out to the, uh, the faithful. So. Uh, by the time people are listening to this, it's already been live, and hopefully, you know, I'll sh- have shared the link. Hello, I'm sorry. Okay, um, ignore the dog, everybody. Uh, yeah, the people on the audio you- side of things are going to be like, "What the heck is going What's on? What's going here? on?" Yeah, this problem is, is this is what happens when you work from home with a dog who is very much a big baby. Look at that. Look at him yawn. Anyway, I know I get distracted easily. So. Um, it's going to be very interesting, and we'll share the link to the diocese. It's, it's going to be on the diocese's Facebook. So if you um, just search on Facebook Diocese of Erie, you can find it. Um, and I will have shared that by this point when you're listening to this. Anyway, but the point is, is that this is an extremely important mass because it's the only way that we can get the oil for um, the catechumens, which isn't honestly used that much, and the oil of chrism, the chrism oil, because only the bishop can consecrate that. And so that's extremely important. Any priest in in times of need can um, bless the oil of for the oil of the sick, but um, it has to be you know a priest can only do that, of course. But um, the other two only the bishop can do. Got it. So it's it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. You know, it's going to be live streamed on Monday at four p.m. Um, from St. Mark Seminary Chapel, where the bishop has been live streaming all of his masses during this pandemic. So, yeah, I'm assuming there's going to be a lot more people probably tuning in uh, than nor- they would normally not go to Mass because I know, like, Holy Thursday, I've always had to work. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm i usually off on, on Friday, but uh, but on Thursday, normally, I still have to work. So I don't really go to Mass usually on Thursday. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot more people who are going to be tuning in live stream-wise or just on pre-recorded uh, masses because there's nothing else to do and you have the time. So you might as well do it from the comfort of your living room. Uh, so there's probably going to be, this is going to be a cool experience. I think we can turn this into something um, that is sad and, and tragic from a pandemic standpoint and kind of turn it into something that can really grow our faith because maybe we're all going to be experiencing some uh, some, we're going to have some new experiences. Some people are going to be able to see these things for the first time because they've never entered a church uh, for it. And others are going to experience it uh, differently because they're watching it on TV or on their computer instead of being there like they're used to. So it's going to be different for everybody. And 
I'm actually looking forward to it. You got to make lemonade out of lemons. Otherwise it's just going to go, it's going to be sour on you. So we got to make the best of this. Yeah. It's not something, um, that I want to be doing. And you know, I was another thing that's bad. Okay. So here's, here's now the bad side of the pandemic is that you have a lot of time to read things. And if you're not reading the right things, you can read a lot of stupid things Mm -hmm. or bad things. And I was, someone had shared an article with me on line. I don't even remember where I read it, but they, someone was complaining that the fact that we're now streaming masses is degrading the mass because we're doing it a congregation. And uh, now let's look at both sides of this. In one side, yes, I can see what they're saying. Being that I'm now celebrating mass um, in this old bedroom of my house that I have now converted into a chapel. Granted, I've always wanted to make this my own personal prayer chapel, but um, I, it, this has forced me to do it. You know, this has forced me to create a chapel in my house. Um, but I'm doing it without a congregation. I'm doing it alone. So is that a good thing? Well, it's not the ideal. It's not what we want. But you know what? Now on the reverse side of this coin, thank God we're still having the sacraments celebrated. Yes. Because even if we can't be there in our own person, the importance is, is that the sacraments are still happening. The world has not gotten rid of the sacraments, and Christ is still coming into our church every day, into our world every day in his body, blood, soul, and divinity, because hundreds of thousands of priests throughout the world are celebrating Mass. You know, if you think about it, because of time zones and whatnot, I was thinking about it. When I celebrate Mass at noon in uh, the Eastern time zone, in the Central time zone, it's 11 a.m., and so on and so forth, you know, so it's, it's a different hour. But if every priest were to be celebrating mass at a different hour of the day, you know, we could be having mass every single hour of the day mm-hmm. all through the 24 hours because, you know, it might be almost nine o'clock here in the United States, but in um, Australia, that's 9 a.m. So that's 12 hours difference. And so it, right now it's 9 a.m. on Palm Sunday in Australia. So if you, it's just, it's amazing. Mass can be happening every hour of the day whether we realize it or not, just like in prayer, someone is always praying. And so even if we can't be present for it physically, we can be present for it spiritually. And there's something to be said about that because there was a lot of times people say, well, I don't have to go to a church to pray. That's true. You don't have to, but it's also teaching us what we're missing. It's teaching us what we should be longing for. So this is an opportunity for us to grow as a people. Yes. And I think, I th- I'm seeing a lot of good coming out of this already. Um, yeah. I'm also seeing some bad things myself. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of people posting on social media about, oh, you, in order to to not be stressing out, you need this new age meditation and 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 things like that. It's like, ah, well, there there are other ways to take care of that stress. We don't we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. So anyway, let's yeah. get back on topic. Yeah. So we were talking about Holy Week and the liturgies of Holy Week and. Um, the things that we normally do. So on Holy Thursday, if your diocese celebrates the Chrism Mass, it would be sometime in the morning because then in the evening, uh, the Mass of the Lord's Supper. And so 
people often think of this as the time when the priest washes people's feet, but it's so much more than that. And in fact, this year, we don't even have the foot washing at the liturgy. It's not any, it's never has been a mandatory thing. It's always been an optional thing. But this year, the Vatican has said, it's not happening. We're not doing it. And rightfully so, for multiple reasons. One, the fear of the spread of the flu. Two, you're supposed to do 12 men, and um, we can't really do that because we're not allowed to gather in groups of 10 or more, so that's already 13. Um, so there's multiple reasons why this is good and bad that it's not happening. So it's just a change, and that's the thing. When we experience a change, it elicits some sort of response. So going through that liturgy, we have the utmost, the highest point of our faith, the institution of the Eucharist and the institution of the ordained priesthood. And if your diocese would have had the um, chrism mass earlier that morning, it connects perfectly because in the morning you're re you're, the priests are reconfirming in themselves the promises they made however many years ago of their priesthood. And then later that night, they're celebrating that sacrament. They're celebrating that mass where the Lord becomes present to us, body, blood, soul, and divinity. At the end of that liturgy, traditionally, the priest would then process the Eucharist around the church and out of the church into a chapel of repose. Now, for this year, we are not doing chapels of repose. The the U.S. or not the USCCB, excuse me, the Vatican has forbade the use of chapels of repose. So um, it just is to remain in the tabernacle of the church or of the chapel. So um, we're not doing that this year. Um, when it comes to normally in the chapel of repose, you have Eucharistic adoration, but it's not the same adoration as some people might be thinking. It's not in a monstrance. It's in just in the tabernacle um, and the Eucharist that is reserved for the celebration of the Good Friday liturgy is reserved there. And so once that happens, then the altar is stripped and everything is removed from the church that is um, not essentially screwed down. Hmm. And you, um, all images are still veiled in traditional uh, circles. You're going to see that all uh crucifixes, all statuary, everything is veiled and then um, will not be unveiled until we get to Easter Sunday. So that's our Holy Thursday night. And then on Good Friday, the Passion of Our Lord, we don't actually have any, um, the, the only sacraments that can be celebrated on Good Friday and Holy Saturday are anointing of the sick and reconciliation. Um, now, by this point, we're hoping that everybody has gone to uh, confession, but it can be celebrated on Holy Saturday. But there are no public liturgies of the church that are celebrated on Holy Saturday. So Good Friday is the culmination and the fulfillment of the Holy uh, Thursday Mass. So it begins at the Holy Thursday. And now, if you've ever heard of um, – oh my gosh, he's a theologian, very famous – do you know who I'm talking about? There's a lot of those. Yeah, I know. Guy, um, newer, he's of this generation. Um, he talks about the third cup, third cup. There's a theology of the third cup. Uh, look that up on Google. You'll find it. Theology of the third cup. And so the idea is that Christ only received from the first and second cup at the Passover celebration. And then at, uh, 
he's upon the cross and he says, I thirst, he receives from a uh, third cup of cheap wine tasted like vinegar. And um, so that fulfills and completes the Passover celebration with him upon the cross when he says, I thirst. So there's a thought, that's one of the ways that we can see that Holy Thursday flows right into Good Friday. But if you pay attention to our liturgy on Good Friday, it starts traditionally, usually in a church, the priest vested for mass, although no mass is celebrated, will go out and lay prostrate. So he lays face down on the floor for a few moments of silence. And then he gets up and starts with a prayer. And he prays the prayer without ever saying the word, let us pray. Now, let's think back to Holy Thursday. When the priest finishes the mass, there is no final blessing. There's no dismissal, no go in peace. The mass is ended or anything like that. It goes straight into the chapel of repose. And then the next day, the next day starts without the sign of the cross. It starts without the um, uh, let us pray. It's a continuation of the day's liturgy before. And so um, we continue through that liturgy. We hear two readings, a psalm, and then we hear the passion according to the Gospel of John. And that's the one that is very long that everybody stands, and usually we have it in parts if there's enough people to do that. So this year, the difference is, is that a lot of us will be doing it alone. Like, I'll be alone here in my chapel on Good Friday when I do it mm-hmm. at 3 p.m. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday, join me at 3 p.m. here in the chapel. And um, I am not. I can't lay prostrate. Number one, uh, Henry will think I'm playing, so he'll <laughs> want to lick me. Second is um, you wouldn't see anything. And it's, it's kind of pointless because this is not a consecrated room. This is not a consecrated altar. This is not a consecrated chapel. It's meant to be in a church. And so I'll uh, start right away with the prayer. Um, and we'll go right into that. And then, uh, you know, after the Passion, I'll read the Passion straight through by myself. There will be It will not be in parts. It will only be read straight through. And at the end and the conclusion of our liturgy, we do the um, adoration of the Holy Cross. And the adoration of the Holy Cross is the high point of the liturgy for Good Friday. We do have communion on Good Friday, um, but it's not, it's like a communion service. It's not a mass. There's no consecration. So it's a different experience. And, and then also that, yeah. on Good Friday, we need to make sure that we take the time from, was it noon to three? Yeah. To, yeah. to just kind that's of just, that, that's the time that Jesus suffered on the, on the cross. And, and yeah, we shouldn't yeah, be, that's right. That's the traditional time. We, we shouldn't mm-hmm. be watching TV. We shouldn't be playing games. You know, let just take that time to just sit in silence, uh, to pray, um, and not to, uh, make it a joyous occasion because we are, right. um, I guess, witnessing Jesus on the cross at that time. And that wouldn't be a joyous occasion for, for anybody. Uh, I guess you don't have to mourn. You don't have to, you don't have to cry. Uh, but just take that time to, uh, just to pray and just to sit in silence for a couple of hours. And that's hard in today's age, especially, uh, you know, with all the electronics that you have around you, but, but do your best. Just try, turn yeah. the TV off and just yeah. sit there. Yeah. And if you're going to leave the TV on, why don't you put it on to a live stream where someone's praying? Sure. You know, 
Um, find a live stream where someone either is having their liturgy at noon or one or two or join me here at three. Um, I might start a little early so that way you can just sit before um, an altar where the Lord isn't but isn't at physically in his Eucharist but is there present still. Mm-hmm. So it's an opportunity for us to be in prayer. So what else we got? That's well, that's all of the public liturgies that we celebrate um, as a church for the Holy Week and for specifically as the last three days, the Triduum. Mm-hmm. And um, but you know, so these are ways that we celebrate as a church, but we don't get to gather as a church anymore, right now, that is. We don't get to gather together in our church buildings. We don't get to gather together again um, in prayer right now together. We have to do it on our own. So, what are now we have to think out, you know, thinking out loud, what are some ways that we can celebrate Holy Week at home? And well, this is kind t- of leading into you, the Diocese of Erie. Sure. And I, I yeah. can tell you one thing that we've been doing as a family is just sitting around with the Bible and just reading through uh, the readings for the day. Um, yeah. Something we've never really done as a family before, uh, just because things have been usually too hectic, too crazy. Uh, things have slowed down a little bit more for us. Uh, I'm still working, but um, you know we can't go out and do anything. So uh, when I am home, so we sit and, and you know after dinner or so before the kids go to bed, we'll just sit there and uh, and read. And that's been something I think we're going to continue to do. Uh, quite frankly, I wasn't really prepared for this question. I, you know, this is, yeah. I don't even know what we're going to do. This is, it's, it's all so different. And, yeah. um, and I don't, know, maybe you have well, some ideas. Well, and one of the ways is, is if you, um, if anybody's been seeing lately, um, from the diocese of Erie, they started this idea of Holy week at home, hashtag Holy week at home. And, um, there are, uh, you'll check out the Diocese of Erie website, check out the Faith Formation um, Facebook page, check out the Diocese Facebook page. They've created all these different ways that you can celebrate uh, Holy Week at home. And one of the things that they've suggested is making some sort of decoration for your front door this week. Make some sort of decoration for your front door this week to celebrate um, these holiest days. Make, maybe you have a crucifix that you can put up on your front door. Maybe you have some access to some sort of fern that you can put in your front window, you know, for Palm Sunday. Hmm. Maybe you can um, hang some red draperies in your front window. Maybe you can even go as crazy as I have and put um, spotlights on the front of your house. Go out and decorate uh, the front of the house for at night. Put the co- liturgical colors up. It's going to be red for Palm Sunday, which is past now. The first three days are purple. Um, Holy Thursday is white. Good Friday is red. And then, of course, uh, nothing on Holy Saturday. And then on Easter Sunday, making your house white, you know, lighting it up with white, putting out beautiful um, flowers and things like that. So those are ways that we can celebrate Holy Week. Uh, you know, it's not just in a church we're supposed to now, we kind of have to be the church at home in a new way. And and when, yeah, you can be church at home even during the time of the world when we can go to church, but it's different now. We have to make the church at home. A lot of people, there's pictures of people who are making altars in front of their TV for when they are watching mass. 
um, you know, make a home altar. What a perfect time for that. Mm -hmm. Gather all of your religious items, put it in one spot so you can view them and um, make your Holy Week home so that you can see that God is there in your midst. And, and I can, I can tell you just from, just from a regular guy who has an altar in his, uh, in his family room, uh, it is, it really changes your prayer life. Uh, it really helps you focus just like when you're in church and you're, I feel like I can get better prayer whenever I'm kneeling down, uh, in church. Um, just be it because like you can see all the statues now granted. And when you're in church, you're in front of the blessed sacrament. Uh, but you know, it, at your home altar, you at least have the visuals to help you, you know, and that's why we have those. It's not idolatry or anything like that. It's, it's so that we can, uh, visualize, you know, what we're trying to pray to. And, it, and it's, it, it's very helpful in prayer. So I found it, uh, it's good for me. It seems to work well for my wife as well. And I, I encourage everyone to do it. It doesn't have to be extravagant. It could be a couple, it could be one crucifix and a candle if you'd like, uh, or you could go crazy like, uh, father and Andy and I have. So, uh, I, I suggested, I, I think it's very helpful. Make an opportunity for your family to gather in prayer. You know, a lot of times in my family on good Friday, it was about, you know, everybody was working and I was off school. And so I'd go to church with my grandmother, but mom always went, that was one of her things. Um, but we didn't always go together as a family. Well, we're not going this time as a family and especially because now I'm celebrating alone here, but maybe just maybe in your celebration of good Friday, don't let it just be about, Oh no, I have to eat fish again, which is my number one complaint. I am so over fish. I don't Um, eat fish to begin with. So this has been tough for me. Pierogies and Mac and cheese, man. That's all I've had. Yeah. Carbs load up on the carbs. That's great. (laughs) You know, all the gains you're going to get from that anyway. Um, so, you know, instead of just complaining one more day about eating fish, Maybe gather as a family ahead of dinner and pray together a little mm-hmm. extra or after dinner. You know, if you eat, pray before you eat, then no one's going to be falling asleep. But if you have little kids, they might be tired and cranky, but you figure it out. Pray, you know, on Good Friday, open up the scriptures, go to the Gospel of John, find where Christ is put upon the cross, pray about that, contemplate that. These are experiences and ideas that we can um, continue to have into the future. It's not something that I think should die when, uh, this time of, um, being cloistered at home is over. This is something that we have an opportunity to grow in our prayer life now. Mm -hmm. And one thing you, you can do contemplating, as you mentioned, uh, Christ on the, on the cross, really imagine if you were there standing next to Mary and watching this all unfold and watching, uh, Mary seeing her son dying in front of her and you also seeing her son dying in front of you and knowing what that's going to bring about three days later and yeah. just, just meditate on that. Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful way to do it. And, you know, that's a form of Ignatian spirituality of actually placing yourself in the story and using all of your senses, trying to use all of your senses to place yourself in the story. That's a wonderful way to pray and to enter into those moments of prayer, especially as we contemplate the scripture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you don't have a Bible, guess what? You got a smartphone, you got a Bible. So you can find a Bible, open up scripture, 
find some time this week to set aside in a special way to pray. And then, of course, during the Triduum, the three holiest days of the year, set aside even more time, especially if you don't have to work. If you do have to work, find some time that you can pray because it is so important. It's the most important days of our liturgical calendar. It's the most important days of our church. So let us pray about that together as we figure out ways to continue to celebrate here in our homes the uh, preparation, the final preparation that we have for Easter. So, I guess uh, the next time anyone hears from us after this is going to be the Wednesday after Easter. So yeah, uh, I guess I'm going to go ahead and end this with Happy Easter, everybody. Or I hope you had a good Easter. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you will have. I a good hope Easter. you will have a good Easter. Uh, this, yeah, we always allude to recording some of these things ahead of time, so it gets a little confusing. Um, yeah. Uh, but yes, I hope you have a fantastic Easter and, um, and it really is, uh, it is the biggest day for us as Christians. Um, this is the day that, uh, that God has pretty much he's redeemed the world, uh, through Jesus Christ. And when he, uh, rose from the dead. So, uh, let's really celebrate that day because that's the number one day for, um, for Christians. Um, and then yes. our next episode, we'll talk a little bit more about Easter. Um, so I think we're going to end it there. You got anything else, Father Andy? That's it for today. I pray, of course, for you and your families and offer every Mass for you and your families here. Um, continue to follow us uh, through this time. Um, as, mo- as often as I can, I will try to celebrate Mass live until this pandemic is over. Uh, it will be at noon every day unless otherwise posted both here on our Facebook page for Encounter Mercy as well as my personal Facebook page, Father Boyd. Um, Father Andrew Boyd. So you can find us on either of those. As always, you can go to EncounterMercy.com to get a hold of us and to get any sort of information. And you've been getting quite the the following on your uh, your live stream masses, I've noticed. Yeah, so. I'm surprised. You- I mean, I was watching the, um, uh, it, there were about 100 people the one day. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it up. That's more than I get when I celebrate mass in a church. So, I mean, I'd prefer to have you physically here, but Hey, you know what? This is great. And hopefully afterwards I see more people coming to daily mass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, keep up the great work. Uh, we love watching, uh, you, you, we, I don't always get to see it live stream, but my wife tries to, to see it as much as she can. And I know my mom is your number one fan, uh, <laughs> watching those. So, uh, my mom too. So they yeah, can keep get it up. together. We'll have to get them together. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, you can find us on, uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, yep. you can also, uh, find our podcast anywhere where, where you listen to podcasts. So make sure you subscribe in case you just happen to stumble across this. That way you get all of our episodes as they come out. And so, uh, with that, um, I think we're going to end it here. Call it a day and see you all next week. That's right. So happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter.